This is Gabe Estel. Welcome to Rock and Roll Shinsu Chu. Glad to be here. I'm here with my co-hosts, Dennis Levi Leach and Jonathan Getz. How's it going, guys? All right. Excellent. Excellent. Well, let's, you know what, let's just dive right into it. It's good to be back with everybody. Hope you're enjoying this last month of the regular season. Um, we've got a good show, kind of a talking heads sort of theme tonight. Um, although I don't know if I'll make any references to the band talking heads. That was totally unintentional. Um, but Damn, we, we missed, we missed a potential theme time. We really did. Yeah. We, we, we missed that. Jesus. Um, take me to the river. I would, I would have got, I would have got burned on the phone, dude. I, right. Right. Yeah. Uh, Levi, Levi didn't have that big suit with the, the giant shoulder. Oh yeah. Just yeah. wild, wild life. Yeah, anyway. Um, so, you know, want to go ahead and just go over some stories um, that have emerged since we recorded last time. Um, it's been uh, a pretty fruitful time for new music. Um, there have been quite a few releases of note. Um, bands that we've talked about on this show before uh, have released records within the last couple weeks. Um, the first one that comes to mind to me, and I know... Um, as you guys know, I'm pretty sweet on her. Um, I, I, I like the new Lana Del Rey record a lot. Oh yeah, it's good. Um, it's you good. You know, it's uh, she's kind of like the, uh, you know, the pop. The, it's like a, it's like the, it's Quaalude pop is what it is. It is Quaalude pop. It, yeah. So uh, it's good. You know, again, it's um, it's if, if possible, it's even mellower than the last one. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's really good. Have you heard it yet, Levi? Or no, I have not. Yeah, I mean, if you like the last one, you know, if uh, check it out. You know, it's very, it's like Massey Star or something like that. You know, yeah, I'll just check it out. Yeah, it's good. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm on board now with whatever she does, pretty much. So, so yeah, uh, I like it a lot. And then, um, you know, I did get to listen to some of the new Iron Maiden, and you know, obviously, Maiden's still, still Maiden. You know, nothing, uh, nothing broken there. Um. And then uh, some others that came out. Uh, I know that uh, Slayer has a new one out, uh, which I haven't had a chance to listen to yet. But I'm sure it sounds like Slayer. If it doesn't, I would I would think <laughs> they would catch some catch some flack for that. You know, so they kind of went conceptual on this one. Um, <laughs> no, so I'm sure Carrie and the boys are still bringing it. Uh, any others, guys, that I. Um, yeah, I uh, yeah. you know it's funny because I remember September last year being really fruitful with new releases, and in the summertime it can get kind of dry. Uh, yeah. But uh, it's like you know it's like in the summertime and the in the dead of winter it can get pretty dry. But September was pretty good. Um, uh, earlier in the month, Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats, uh, right. which is which is great for all you Sabbath lovers out there. Check out Uncle Acid and Deadbeats. Uh, Diane Coffey, uh, who I'm a big fan of, drummer of Foxygen. Gotcha uh kind of uh g glam soul uh uh and then this past week uh yeah like you said uh, lana del rey uh beirut telekinesis and say hi telekinesis and say hi who i'm gonna go see uh cool. at the record bar um and uh uh and actually after exchanging some 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 tweets between uh those two guys it, it sounds like if if i show up uh, dress like uh, Mick Mars, they might because uh, it's on Halloween night. If I show up <laughs> dress like Mick Mars, they might play same old situation. All right, uh, so, good so, deal. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's it's been pretty pretty solid the last few weeks. 
for sure. With and, new and there's a few I haven't even gotten to. Like Gary Clark Jr.'s got a new one that I haven't listened to yet. Um, yeah, there's there's it's it's been uh, it's been kind of overwhelming in a, in the best possible way. So. It's a good problem to have. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, and there, there was one other one. There's this uh, band from. Shoot, I, I'm I'm just gonna say the Middle East because I, I I I it might be Iran. Um, they're called Kiosk, and it's uh it's very much like Dire Straits meets JJ Kale. I can get oh, behind wow. that. Yeah, I, and they just released a, a live album, and it's called Kiosk. It was recorded in Toronto. Uh, That's the name of the band, is Kiosk. Yep. Like mall kiosk. Yeah, yeah, like it. Okay. Yeah, like it sounds. Um, for cool. the English word. Yeah. Cool. Sounds good. I like that combination. Yeah. So. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Yeah, so good time for uh, for new tunes, certainly. Um, on to live music. Uh, last The last episode I, I talked about it's kind of my anticipation for Riot Fest here in Chicago. Um, and I ended up obviously going to Riot Fest. I had a three day pass, and it was um, it was uh, it was a muddy weekend, but it was a lot of fun. Did it rain you, on you? You know, it didn't. No, um, it rained prior to my arrival. But it did not rain on me. No, that's nice. Um, yeah, yeah. So it worked out well. And you know, obviously, being a dad now, I uh, I guess I should count my lucky stars that I got to go for three days. Um, yeah, I didn't get to go like all day. Obviously, you know, I got I got there like Friday night at like seven o'clock, right in time for Anthrax, right before they started playing. Um, and then uh, on Saturday and Sunday, I got there about five o'clock, um, so, which what? I still. Yeah, I still feel like I really got my money's worth, you know. What is it uh, like going to a festival and then being able to sleep in your own bed and take a shower at your house every day? It's glorious. Yeah, yeah you'll, that's you'll gotta be wanna, an experience. Yeah, you'll never want to go to like Bonnaroo again, <laughs> unless like I don't know, they, they unless like they fly in a Four Seasons and drop it in Bonnaroo or something <laughs> like that, you know. Yeah, yeah I, I, maybe I would go to Bonnaroo again in like an RV, possibly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just looking here to just to tell everybody what bands I saw because I know I'm gonna forget a couple. Um, but I, I had a really fun weekend there. You know, I think it's it's become a really kind of it's becoming an institution. Hopefully, you know, they have one in Denver and Toronto as well. But it's you know, it's kind of like you know, classic punk, classic rap, and sort of some other stuff thrown in. You know, but those kind of seem to be the two building blocks mm-hmm. for it. And I really like that approach. Um, I got to see, um, I got to see Anthrax who were, who were great. Um, you know, I, I, have seen them a couple times before and they don't change their set list that much. They don't. You know? Um, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's pretty static set list, but, um, there's still a lot of energy still. Um, Faith No More were great. Um, you know, I really like the new record. Um, I do miss Jim Martin. They don't have him anymore on guitar. Um, so he is missed and I honestly, I don't know who replaced him. Um, but they were good. They were wearing the all white, not suits really, but like white dress shirt, white pants. Yeah. Pretty trippy stage. Um, they did easy like Sunday morning, a cover of that. Huh. Um, yeah, they were really good. Um, and they, they played quite a few tunes as well. Cause they were one, they were, they were that, um, one of the headliners on Friday night. Um, or actually I take that back. They were right before the headliner. And then, um, then uh, lastly for my Friday night, I watched ice cube, um, who, uh, who brought it, you know, I mean, it was, uh, he brought out MC Ren and DJ yellow. So there was kind of a, 
kind of a mini NWA reunion. Um, you know, he played he played all the his tunes, uh, some of his newer stuff. I'm not that familiar with, but yeah, he brought it, man. It was it was good energy. It was high energy. Everybody was into it. Um, Speaking and of, then how on was Saturday, the crowd? What's that? How was the crowd? The crowd, um, you know, fine. It was it. it it was younger. There was a more younger people there than I thought there would be. Yeah. Um, you know, Riot Fest has kind of a strand that's sort of the, I don't know. It's got a lot of punk that I like, but it's also got a little bit of a warp tour strand to it at times, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like, I don't know, like some of those bands, like, you know, taking back Sunday and less than Jake and good Charlotte. And, and, yeah. And even though, even though those bands have been around for a while now, they still kind of draw a younger crowd. Um, so, so yeah, they were there, you know, all those, the bands that I just mentioned, um, you know, the Ataris, like all these kind of, all the pop punk bands, which I'm not into, but, um, I don't know. It, it, uh, it, it was, it was, it represents a chunk of Riot sure. Fest still. Um, but there's plenty other there to satisfy me. So on, then on Saturday I saw Echo and the Bunnymen who I've been on a real kick lately. Um, I kind of came too late other than, you know, the, the couple singles um, that I always knew, but I, I really like just about their whole catalog. Now they were really good. They did a really ripping version of, um, of roadhouse blues, um, which I didn't expect. And then I saw Bootsy Collins. Uh, oh. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, Merle Haggard, right. You Man, know, Merle's so, getting up there. How, how yeah. do he look? I saw him probably six or seven years ago, and he looked awful. <laughs> um, as the Onion said once, Merle Haggard, Haggard. All right, that's how. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay. Um, so yeah, but he was great. You know, live it was it was fun. Um, yeah. Especially for the, his age. The time I saw him, Shooter Jennings opened up for him. Yeah. And so Shooter Jennings like tore the fucking place down. Sure. And then Merle Haggard gets up and opens up with Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Star, like one of his slowest songs, into like two more slow songs. Oh, no. Uh, we were just like, oh, my God, this is, this is awful. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, like, I really like that Twinkle Lucky Star song, but it, it was just like such a letdown after yeah, kind of sucked the air out of the room. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, and I don't know. He was what I expected him to be. You know, a seventy-five-year-old yeah, country. Artist. You can mark it off the list, right? Yeah, totally. Um, you know what? Best set of the weekend for me on Saturday night, and not not just Saturday night, the whole weekend. Billy Idol ripped. Man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Billy yeah. Idol yeah. can still sing. Yeah. They they had some sound problems a couple times. Uh huh. Um, but uh, Steve Stevens still tears it up. He still got Steve with him. Um, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, man, he he was. He was great, and just God looks great for his age too. Idol's working out, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's not messing around, dude. Those are he's got some abs, man. Um, and then I saw, you know, the band that, and I know they're, I certainly know that they're not everybody's cup of tea. Um, but I was looking forward to seeing System of a Down just because I think they do yeah. some interesting things. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, it's got there's a there's a prog element to their yep. music, certainly. Um, and they're really crazy. I mean, just I'll give them this. They make music like I haven't heard before. Um, and I don't know if it's just they draw a bad crowd. They had to stop playing like three or four times because the crowd got so rowdy. 
Wow. I didn't exactly see what had happened, but I think like down front, some people were getting trampled. Like nobody, I don't think anybody was severely injured. So were they asking uh, people to back off? Or? Right. Exactly. Wow. So just like probably like, you know, second or third tune into their set, they had to stop it. Um, in and the middle that, of the song? Yeah. In the middle wow. of the song. Yeah. So they were playing at the same time as Iggy Pop. And like, so I felt pretty torn, you know, it's like a legend I've always wanted to see, but you know, a really interesting band that for lack of a better term, might I don't know if they're in their prime, but they, you know, they're, they've got a little bit more youth on their side. Um, so I, I went to go check out Iggy and he was great. You know, I just stayed for his set for the rest of the time. Um, you know, 50 degrees outside chilly Chicago, September night. Yeah. And Iggy was shirtless, of course. Yeah. Um, the dude doesn't it, own a shirt. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Does he still he? cut himself? I didn't yeah. see it. Yeah. Um, he used to cut himself a lot. Yeah, he was great, though. Um, I saw him at Lollapalooza uh, several years ago with uh, Mike Watt was his bassist. Okay. Um, and uh, so maybe that was actually the Stooges, with the Stooges, and Mike Watt was filling in on bass. Okay. Uh, this this was wasn't great. yeah. This was just yeah. his his band. Yeah, his, yeah. his tour regular touring band. Um, and Did then he get I'll, everybody up on stage with him? Did he invite like the crowd on stage? I didn't. I don't think so. No. Okay. Yeah, he did that at all the blues and the crowd and the the stage had like two hundred people on it. Okay. Wow. Um, and then on Sunday, I saw a little bit of uh, Rodrigo and Gabriella. Um, nice. C- Cypress Hill. Jimmy Cliff, who was great, um, really brought it for his age. Snoop Dogg, who, you know, started late. Um, I don't know. There were some problems with the video screen. And then I saw Modest Mouse, um, who I was really looking forward to. And they were it didn't translate as well live as I thought it would. Hmm. Um, I would certainly go see them again, like in another venue. Um, and then I, I, I caught a little bit of the prodigy actually on my way out nice. and they brought it, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, you know, at the time when that, their big hits came out with fat of the land, that album came out when I was in high school, I wasn't into it, but now I listen to it again and you know, it's, it's got, it's industrial sort of feel to it. Um, I thought they kicked ass, man. I, I like the stage was just intense. It was just. It was like it was like the lights were having a seizure the whole time <laughs> and just I don't know, man. They just got the crowd into it. They're just like they've got just they're hype men. You know what I mean? Like, oh, and yeah, they, they played with a full of like a full band, too, which I didn't know, you know. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, they ripped, man. I'm I'm the prodigy. <laughs> it was good. So, I mean, that's, oh, yeah, that's a... I think they're an underrated band. I do. T- yeah, yeah. I, I really dug them, man. Um, I guess I, I guess it was kind of rare, too, because they don't really come over to the States very often from what I hear, you know, yeah. so um, kind of a British thing, you know, at this point. Um, so. So, yeah, they brought it, man. So, I mean, that's that's a hell of a weekend of music. So I still feel like I got my money's worth, you know, just so many good oh, veteran yeah. acts that I saw. So, yeah. 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 That's yeah. impressive. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um. So yeah, thumbs up for Riot Fest again. Glad to be able to go. Um, and I, I, I thought it was a success. Um, Want to move on to baseball. Um, there's a situation going on that uh, we won't dwell on too long here, but um, to give every our audience a little bit of context, um, Matt Harvey, who's a pitcher for the Mets, 
um, had a great season in 2013 and uh, I think was rookie of the year. I, th- I would, I would assume so. He was an all-star. I know that um, he uh, missed a season for t- due to Tommy John surgery. And now he's back as part of a very dangerous young Mets rotation leading, really anchoring that rotation. And, um, you know, his agent is Scott Boris, who there are a lot of opinions on Scott Boris, most of them pretty negative. Um, he had really he was going to place an inning limit on on Harvey and he wasn't going to pitch during the postseason and the Mets. If you've looked at the standings, you know, most likely the Mets are going to make the postseason and um, for the first time in almost 10 years. And certainly the fan, the Mets fan base is excited again. So really, really, the issue here is, you know, do players have the right to kind of shut themselves down? You know, I guess that's kind of the sixty four thousand dollar question. I think, yes, they do. But that. It's been mishandled from the beginning. Why wasn't the dis- this discussed from spring training to where right. they say, hey, we're going to skip a start, one yeah. start every month so that he can pitch into the postseason. But they bring it up in late August or early September. You know, what the fuck? I think they brought <laughs> yeah. it up when Scott Boris had the idea to bring it up, I think is, uh, yeah. I think is what happened. Yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe there's not much to say here. Just uh, you know, If I he mean, doesn't pitch in the playoffs – Someone from New York will hurt Scott Boris. Yeah, <laughs> because I mean, there are Mets fans who are just rabid. Is rabid? There are Mets fans that are as rabid as Cubs fans, and oh, yeah. they haven't been in the playoffs for ten years, like you said. It's. I mean, it. I don't know. As the Trailer Park Boys would say, it'd be a shit tornado. Right. It's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, they... just. The, all the New York papers would just run with it every day. It would be oh, yeah. like, oh, Harvey didn't pitch today. Harvey didn't pitch today. Yeah, yeah if only. It, if only it, we had Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I mean, they've got, obviously, they've got the pieces in place to be good for a few years. And the rotation the, is solid. The, ro- the rotation, yeah, the lineup the, the lineup is, is kind of has some veterans on it that you know, they might need to retool that lineup a little oh, bit. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. But but the rotation is is really Harvey so. says, man, you're getting paid a shit ton of money, and you're an employee. And if yeah. they want you to fucking pitch, you got to pitch. Yeah. I don't. I don't. <sighs> yeah, it's it's tough. Harvey I mean, says you don't have that right when 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 you're making that much money. You're and, right. I mean, when the and, money comes into there play, there are there are consequences to it. It would be one thing if they were like in the dumps, like if they weren't even going to make the playoffs, and right. They were like, you know, oh yeah, you wouldn't think twice. Bit, you you like, hear all the time about pitchers being shut yeah, down around but, now for teams that aren't but competing. To, yeah, but to do this when they're successful and he's successful, and again, this happened with Strasburg a few yeah, years ago. It happened with the Nationals a couple of years yeah. ago, and they and they, they might not even make the playoffs series, this year. Right? No, they won't. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, but it's it's interesting because you know, would you? So it's not only what he gets paid to do, but it's we'll assume it's what he loves to do, and it's probably all he knows to do. Sure. Uh, and so, like, would you put everything on the line uh, just for the next month uh, with the potential consequence that you might not be able to do what you love after next month, like, ever again? Gosh, I... Part of me says yes, because he could only, there are guys who have been to the World Series and lost and never been back. 
yeah. and are like, I would have done anything to, to get back. To pitch in the World Series. I'm with yeah. Levi. There's no guarantees in this game. Yeah. I, agree. I, yeah. I would say this is like the game that has the – I mean, if n- none of the sports have guarantees, but baseball, yeah. it seems, has the least guarantees. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and as, as, as I mentioned a second ago, you know, their, their lineup is is kind of old, you know, so they're, they're going to have to retool it for next year. I mean, obviously, the rotation is awesome, but and will be for a few years. Well, and Tommy John is so routine now, man. That... People get it voluntarily. Oh, yeah. Which and, is and, dumb, which is really yeah. stupid. And then, you know what I mean? It's like people come back from it and pitch for years and years and years. So, I mean, I don't know. But I, I think it's, it's kind not of as effective. Yeah, but it's Boris. Yeah. If it was a different agent, the reaction to all of this might be different yeah. as yeah. well. I've never heard a story of a pitcher being on an innings limit for the whole season. It only comes up in September. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, right. If yeah. It's, if it, Don't let it be a slow train coming. Just, yeah. uh, you know, plan accordingly. And the whole, you know, the whole fan base will be behind you. They'll be like, hey, we're playing for October and... You know, we gotta we we gotta save him a little bit, and so every now and again he just goes five and a third rather than six and two thirds and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, you know, I guess uh, opposite uh, position. The Cardinals are catching a lot of flack with Matheny not giving Yachty any rest. Oh, like, okay. I guess uh, Molina's like way burned out, and the Cardinal fan base is like pissed off at Matheny. They huh. haven't. They haven't said uh, he hasn't. Uh... He keeps playing him. Yeah, well, I think they finally sat him like they sat him two days in a row, and it was like the first time in I like six years. Yeah, something ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, and right, and he just he'd been hitting awfully, and yeah. so he hurt his thumb, right? He just recently yeah, hit. and I guess it wasn't as severe as they thought it might be because when it when it happened, there was potential like it could be season ending, but. Yeah, I just thought it was funny. It's an opposite position. It's kind of the same thing. The fan base, right? Um, I think uh, I think Boris is using this as leverage to to you know Absolutely. for the next negotiation. Oh, yeah. to say hey, if okay, he's like all right, I'll let him pitch this postseason, but <laughs> you guys are going to pay for this. Uh, you know, the next contract negotiation, which I'm going to I'm going to move up a year now. Uh, because yeah. you know, I would we're say Matt Harvey might not you. be a Met after that. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. Sure. Yeah, I mean the Mets aren't totally known for always keeping their best pitching. Right. Well, and if you and if they already have these these other guys, then you know, yeah. sure, it'd be nice to have three aces. But if you can spend your money for you know younger uh, hitting talent, like you said, Gabe, then that's what you go oh, yeah. for. You have to spread out the wealth a little bit. And Gotta have pitching, the Don these, Gooden and the Daryl Strobel. Yeah. There you go. And, and these pitching contracts are just so huge, you know. I mean that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Harvey, if he if he stays healthy, is is going to get a you know a big. He's going to. Oh, get, he'll get seven uh, years, two hundred million. Yeah. That's yeah. What I, mean. I don't think the the Mets are going to be able to pony up what some no. other team's going to offer. Right. Um, especially if they've got. Especially if the other two guys. What is it? Uh, <laughs> Cindergard and then Degrom, they're going to have to pay Matt's, them too. Who is another young guy? Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, right. Steven Matz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm envious of their pitchers, man. I, God, I'd love to have any of those guys. No doubt. Um, yeah, no doubt. I think the Cubs might end up with maybe one of them if we're lucky. Did, I think I think you the need Cubs, him. I mean, you I could. The you, Cubs that's are that's ready a good idea, spin. Levi. 
Like, I mean, I would take any of those guys, but oh, I really hell think yes. the Cubs this offseason are ready to spend on pitching, not trade for pitching, just to outright buy pitching. Yeah. You need Which to, they you haven't know. been in that position in a long time. You need to have Theo get, uh, what's his name, Sandy Alderson on the phone this offseason, Levi, <laughs> talking about bringing old, bringing old Cindergaard over to Chicago, huh? Okay. Yeah. Um, that's a good, t- I mean, that that would be good. I mean, the, the, the Mets need the offense, the Cubs need the pitch, another pitcher, you know? I mean, yeah, yeah if they could swing it, you know? Um, anyway, um, so speaking of the Cubs and cards, uh, what was it, last week, big series, right? Cubs and cards. Yeah. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah. What's that? They usually are. It seems like they're they're especially. serious now. Well, yeah, now especially, but yeah, it, even in the worst seasons, like the Cubs would still always somehow try to show up and and play the Cardinals. Historic rivalry, certainly. Yeah. Um, so the situation that happened, as most Cubs and Cardinals fans probably know already, but just to recap, um, who who I'm sorry, who was pitching for the Cubs that day, Levi? Uh, the first game, it was, uh, shoot. It wasn't Kyle Hendricks, was it? I don't think so. One of the games was like a battery. You know what I mean? It was like a, like a staff day where we Uh, had a bunch of people like pitching. Um, off the top of my head, I don't know. Anyway, well, Matt Carpenter got hit in the head with a pitch unintentionally. Yes. All right. And then, so they retaliated and uh, threw Was that. it Matt Holiday too? Oh, Holiday got hit as well? Matt Holiday. It was got Holiday that got hit in the head. Oh, Holiday that got hit. Okay, I, I'm sorry. I thought it was Carpenter. Okay, yeah. my bad. Carpenter um, might have got hit as well. I'm just, it, I'm just it, totally it, butchering this story. I don't know who was pitching, and then I get the player you, wrong. Anyway. Every, like every player on. It was actually the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. No, just yeah. kidding. Um, anyway, but yeah, so. They all got hit. Every player. Yeah. <laughs> St. Louis retaliated and hit um, uh, Rizzo. Rizzo. Who was upset. And then Madden. Uh, I like it. I mean, Madden kind of, he didn't say it outright, but he sort of ripped into the Cardinal way a little bit. Um, I, I was glad to see it. You know, I mean, obviously, even though I'm a Sox fan, I, I like Madden insane. a lot. What's that? He called the Cardinals pitcher insane. <laughs> Yeah. He's like, that guy's insane for throwing at Rizzo. He, yeah. And one of the other quotes I liked was, we don't start stuff, but we'll finish it. <laughs> I was like, you go, Joe. Nice. Well, hey, man, maybe you're you're uh, you're gearing up for a playoff showdown here. So uh, let's uh, let's let's hope so. America yeah. wants the NLCS. Oh, God. To oh, be yeah. Insane. Jesus. God, God yeah. it would be just. Ugh. Facebook would be, I don't know, it'd be a nightmare, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> oh, it'd be reminiscent of uh, 2003 when the Red Sox and Yankees uh, yeah. met each other in the uh, ALCS. Right, yeah. That's probably the closest thing to compare. And again to. in 2004. Yeah, right. Yeah. The Aaron fucking Boone and then the uh, uh, then the big comeback in 2004. Anyway. Right. Well, last thing here I want to talk about in the, uh, in the leadoff um Hold Jeff on, hold Samarja. on, real, real, real quick. Lance yeah. Lynn, uh, in the, was it that series where Lance Lynn got yeah. thrown out of the game? Yeah, and he was so fast. so he he Lance Lynn couldn't locate his pitches, and yeah. and then he gets thrown out of the game, and he's yelling at the ump the whole time because he sucked because yeah. he was getting knocked around, and yeah. and, and there's yeah, and, he went it's off. okay. Yeah, Car- the video of him in the dugout. Hashtag Cardinal Way. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not. 
Yeah. Try. I don't want to beat up on him too much, just because I, you know, everybody knows I hate the Cardinals. But yeah, at that point, I was just like, uh, the Cardinal way needs to implode. It, it, they'll never live it. The down. Cardinal way is a facade. All I right. mean, I, the players probably don't even like get behind it. The manager probably doesn't. But it's still fun to like bring it up because you know that if some, if an opposing pitcher did that to the Cardinals. They would, uh, you know, some fans, not all fans, I have a lot of good friends that are reasonable Cardinals fans, but some fans would, oh, the Cardinals would never do something like that. And then they conveniently forget when Lance Lynn does some bullshit like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, selective memory, certainly. Um, (laughs) Last thing here in the leadoff, uh, Jeff Samarja's had a a pretty bad year, all right? Um, And I was pretty excited about his arrival to the White Sox because I didn't think we had to give up that much to get him and I knew that he would be a free agent after this year so if it didn't pan out we could part ways with him and he's going to test out the free agent market but he's kind of a unique case because you know he's having a terrible season in his walk year you know in what's called the walk year where yeah. you know for free agency I mean his ERA is like he pitched actually really well a couple days ago but you know his ERA going into Monday's start was like five two seven or something like that. Oh wow! Um, yeah, it hasn't it, it hasn't been pretty, you know. Um, and then the guys that we gave up for him, while I don't know if any of them are going to become superstars in Oakland, all three of them are on the team, and they're all playing reasonably well. Yeah. So like, yeah, I mean, no, but nobody's like, you know, having uh, just a mind blowing season. But yeah, they got we gave them three guys that could turn into pretty decent big league players. Um, Maybe not superstars, but I think serviceable players, definitely. Hmm. Um, So we it it looks like at least in the short term, we lost this one. Um, Levi, on the other hand, though, you got Addison Russell. And I know last year when we spoke, you were upset. I've got a feeling you're not that upset now, probably, <laughs> right, about this. I, this would be a good opportunity for me to go dig up the audio where we talk about this stuff and, right. and play it back, but I won't do that. Because Levi was upset, yo, when they got yeah. when they got rid of Savarjo. I was, because at that time it was the, the only, like, decent pitcher on the Cubs. And that shows how bad the pitching was on the Cubs at that, at that time, if he was the best. Right. I, I will say... I was upset, but I've always, I mean, it's hindsight's always twenty twenty. but he's always sort of had an immaturity that you could always see. Yeah. Like if, if he would start to get into, you know, maybe he walks the first batter of the inning, it would just set the mood. You could just yeah. see yeah. it in his, that's yeah. a good, in that's his a good face. Point. And, and I've seen it were, this year there, with the White yeah, Sox. Too. There would be flashes of brilliance, but you could just see like, he couldn't get over that mental hump. And so yeah. if he got I, flustered, I, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the game is part physical, part mental. And I think the mental part he hasn't mastered yet. Yeah. If, if he could somehow get that down, I, he, he's got physical talent, obviously. I mean, there's a stuff there and, and some people will laugh when I say that, but I, I really think there is a, a, I mean, it's, it's, you know, he's already 29, I think. So it's, you know, it, it, yeah. It, it it needs to happen. Um, and I thought last year when he was on the Cubs, you know, that was, I, I, I was like, wow, this guy, this guy could be a number one, you know? Um, he's, I think he's still going to get paid pretty well, just not as well. I mean, he was going to get, 
if he would have pitched really well for the White Sox this year, like he did last year for the Cubs, he you know, he would have got, got he would have got like a six seven year. Deal. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I think maybe like yeah. five five years for like ninety million, maybe. But he now he'll like probably a, get like a like three a number deal. one or a number two guy type of deal. And oh now yeah, I think, absolutely. Now I think he's probably like a number three guy. Type yeah, of deal. I'm thinking of like a three year deal, maybe four year, maybe three or four year deal. I mean, he's only 29, and I don't know when he turns 30, but you know, that that's still relatively young. Um, so, you know, yeah, I, I would say like that that contract that Shields got, even though Shields is a few years older, that contract that Shields got was like four years. What, like $52 million, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see something comparable to that. Somebody will pay it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, it's It's got to be such a letdown for him because he really, he lost a lot of money this year. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. He's still going to be rich as hell. Yeah. Um, it's all relative. But, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he did. I mean, he lost, he lost almost half a paycheck, uh, half the big paycheck, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, so baseball is like a stock market. You got to cash in at the right time. Look at at Worth. Worth got the best deal he could have ever gotten. And then now has has just gone kind of stale. Yeah. Yeah. Bad a lot of injuries. He'll yeah, he's injured all the time. He'll have. I mean, like last year for a little while, he looked really good. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. He'll bounce back. Um, but you know what? He's he's what thirty six now, yeah. I think something yeah. like that. Yeah. There's still, I think there's still a couple of years left on that deal. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. I don't. There's at least I a think year. There is. There is. Yeah. There's at least a year or two. Yeah. So he made out like a bandit, man. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and it's not to say he's not a good player because he re- he really no is. no I mean, it's just he can he's he can, in the field yeah. and, and he can ball it, it, man. It, it, he's a yeah. baller when he's healthy. Yeah. Uh, Baseball's a stock market, though, man. Yep. He, he yep. cashed hey, in at the right time. The, the guy who's this podcast is named after cashed in at the right time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shinsu. Yeah, man. Seven-year deal. Jesus. He, yeah. he's, he's been uh, coming through of late over the last month. He uh, has improved. Has, yeah. yeah, he has improved. And, I mean, nobody really thought he was going to drop off that much when he went to Texas because he just looked kind of lost last year. Yeah. Um, and he was injured, too. So. Uh, but anyway, moving on to the heart of the order, um, we're going to talk about broadcasters. Um, you know, something we haven't devoted a lot of time to this year, uh, or really during throughout the whole the whole lifespan of the podcast, really. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about what some of our favorite and least favorite um, kind of baseball. We'll even take it beyond broadcasters, sort of baseball media personalities. Um, and maybe talk about some of the qualities that make a good broadcaster in our eyes. And I even thought about if we have time, you know, kind of who would you like to see paired together? You know, they could they could be from separate teams, obviously, you know, um, just, you know, what two personalities would you like? Like to separate see? eras, like like Jack. Burkott yeah, you, you know, the, no. Yeah. Really. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Just just Brickhouse Lisek together at last. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um two guys often mentioned in the same sentence, but, um, yeah. So, so yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll, let, let's, okay. let's go ahead and open it up here. Um, you know, looking, I, I, I feel like I, I have to say, I have to get this out of the way guys. Um, I root for a team that doesn't have a very popular, um, uh, play by play guy. All right. On the video, uh, Hawk Harrelson, you know, you, you, you go to any, just Google, you know, most hated baseball announcers, uh, yeah. baseball broadcasters, and, and he, he's atop just about every list. 
Um, and I, I, I want to say to the people that don't like him, his detractors, I totally sympathize with you. You know, I, I get it. Um, he's too folksy. He's too one-sided. Um, he's too old fashioned. You know, he's very dismissive of saber metrics. Um, calling it, you know, he basically thinks it's fraudulent. Um, <laughs> that, I know, I know numbers are fraudulent. Um, that said, I've listened to the guy for yeah. 25 years now. Yeah. And also there's a very sentimental spot for me because I listen to him with my grandparents a lot. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. They're no longer with us. And so, you know, he's been in the White Sox booth since 1990. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, to me, he he has a sentimental spot. Um, I was the same I way totally with totally get why people hate him. I, I complete trust me, I completely oh, yeah. understand. So you can put it on the board, Cole. I, I cannot really stand, but... Well, yeah, nobody likes hawkisms, but hawk yeah. maybe you know a handful of older White Sox fans. I think I felt uh, the same way about Steve Stone, but I've not heard him in so long because he's been gone from the Cubs, and that you know, it, I I would say that Harrelson is is a little more homery than Steve Stone. I mean, Steve Stone, yeah. I guess, played played for both teams. He was on the White Sox, yeah. and he was on the Cubs. Um, yeah. I, I would say I've gotten spoiled. I listen to the radio uh, announcers a lot, and I think Pat Hughes for the Cubs is a great baseball radio announcer. Yeah. Um, I don't know if either of you guys ever heard him. Uh, yeah. And right now their color guy with him is Ron Coomer, the former. I think he was on the Cubs for like only one year or two years. but uh, I remember him. Yeah, Coomer. So – Levi, you mentioned Steve Stone. Um, yeah. That's interesting because, I mean, he was kind of, he was, cr- wasn't he jettisoned from the Cubs because he was kind of critical after the debacle? Well, yeah, after 2004. Every, yeah, after everything, basically, he's openly criticized the team and stuff. And and they handed him his pink slip. And so, I, you know. Even got into some alter, like a, I don't think it got physical, but but like clubhouse altercations, yeah, clubhouse yeah. altercations with players, yeah, like Kent Merker and him got oh, into really? it, yeah, oh, wow. and so wow. you know that's you're gonna get fired, and so I, I think he had, to, I, I said this before, I think he had to eat a little humble pie, and realize that, you know, it's one thing to be critical of the team and think that stuff, but you can't when you're in the public's eye as the announcer, you can't openly be like, "Ah, oh, these guys and, are idiots." And or, when you're an employee, when those are the people that yeah, are paying you, paying, right? And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's a that's a tough line yeah. to toe. You know, he grew up though with Harry, and it was like the Wild West. They were yeah. like drinking the little white cups of Budweiser like all day long back oh, in yeah. the eighties. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I grew up uh, hearing. Uh, and so, like he, I mean, he got away with a lot of stuff over the years. Yeah. Oh, totally. I there, uh, there's a YouTube video of him, and he's like pretty soused, <laughs> like so on is... on air. Yeah. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. So would he like try to uh, uh, keep up with him? Oh yeah, I'm sure everybody tried to drink as much as Harry could drink. Um. Yeah, I, I I remember because I grew up with uh, uh, Steve Stone, and uh, you know even though I wasn't a Cubs fan, uh, you know I would I would 
watch Carrie in stone. And I always thought, yeah, he was really measured and uh, a great voice and really uh, even keeled, you know. And and so, yeah, it was a total surprise. I always thought of him as a total, you know, Cubs uh, yeah. institution. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And when he left, I was sad. I remember thinking, damn, I can't believe they, uh, you know, I can't believe they got rid of him. But like I said, you can't be that openly critical of your employer and expect to still have a job. So, Oh, no. It, I mean, can you imagine... Uh, like trying to toe that line and knowing that you need to be critical in that, you know, the purest sense of the word criticism Mm -hmm. and you, you need to provide insight and not just be some cookie cutter host. Uh, and, and, but you just step over that line just a little bit and you're gone. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, well, and especially because most of the color guys are former players and so as a former player, you're kind of used to the lifestyle and you're used to being on the road and you're used to getting away with certain things. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. like the, you know, the clubhouse antics and stuff. And so I think some guys have to dial that back when they get on screen. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not always a fan of there being necessarily uh a former player as, as the announcer, but I will say it does like lend to the credibility of it and everything. Cause I mean, uh, the Cubs, for instance, Lynn Casper, Lynn Casper's not played any baseball ever, as far as I know. And, uh, you know, I, I like Lynn, but sometimes Lynn Casper gets on my nerves. Yeah. You know. it's, it's, it takes a good mix of a guy that wasn't necessarily in the clubhouse as a player yeah. and a guy that was, yeah, and and having that synergy. Sometimes when you get too much jocularity in there, which is what ESPN usually does with their three man booze when they had Crook and Shilly in it, it's oh yeah, it's just it's really dumbed down. And, oh yeah, and, the and, one night it was awful. It was like some poor some poor girl. It was like her first night, and then Crook and Shilly, and I, it was just uh, it, oh it right, was, oh it so not, so um, it might it might have been the Arietta no hitter game. No kidding. Wow. Yeah. And so uh, it was just, uh, it, yeah. I don't know. I'm not a big Schilling fan as no, a commentator. No. As a commentator he, so. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting. I mean, Kruk, it, Kruk can be insightful at times, but I get tired of them like talking about what they're eating, like sending food up to the booth. Oh, yeah. Like, Come yeah, on, yeah. guys. Get over it. You know? It's, oh, yeah. I, I don't need to see what you're eating. I get it. You like to eat, and they always play the card. Oh well, now I'm fat and I'm slow. And you know, when I was a player, I was fat and I was kind of slow. And it's like, yeah, you say that every game. How fat and slow you were. It's it's cute. An- another sausage with peppers and onions, John. Yes, right. we know. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We get it. Um, and so I, I think that that's a big downfall of of a lot of these. Yeah. Uh, a lot of these booze is that they get too too jocular and and not that it, there are very good uh uh former players who uh, and and I'm saying jocular in a very general sense not that they were formed to play, former players necessarily and but uh you know there, there are some good ones and there are some some pretty bad ones and and it goes both ways even if a guy wasn't a player necessarily I think yeah uh you know there are some pretty good ones and and pretty bad ones and you know, for me, I think it's, you know, th- there's 
it needs to be loose, but it it, it can't be too goofy. And yeah. because once you get too goofy and like you stop kind of paying attention to the game, then that's when it gets annoying. And yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and and on the on another side of that was you know it's like almost too much energy can be annoying. Yeah. And uh, when the when the Royals got Rex Hudler uh, a couple years ago, he came over as being like having this reputation as being kind of a pretty poor uh, announcer for the Angels, and uh, uh, and so sure enough, that first year he was uh, he was calling uh, color for the Royals. It was it was too. I mean, it was he was he was a hundred miles a minute. Yeah, and he was just like talking about everything that would show up on the camera. And it would seem like he couldn't focus. And then, but over the, you know, and I, and I loathed it, but then over the past couple of years, and maybe it's because they're winning now, but <laughs> he's really, he's grown on me a lot. And maybe he's also dialed back his energy a bit. Yeah. And it's been pretty, uh, pretty remarkable. I think um, how much he's won over a lot of, uh, a lot of the Royals uh, viewer base. And, and I, uh, they even did a profile on him a couple weeks ago uh, in the Kansas City Star, uh, you know, about how much uh, he's really p- genuinely passionate uh, about baseball and about, you know, Kansas City or whatever town he might happen to be in. And, and like, he's a super nice guy. And uh, so I've done, like, a complete 180 on, on Hudler. And, and uh, uh, I think he, he offers really good insight. Being a, you know, former player, he, he, he does offer pretty good insight. But... Um, uh, his energy is now a bit more even keeled, and when it's over the top, it's kind of appropriately over the top energy. And uh, you know, he reaches out to fans during the game, uh, and so that's cool. You know, it's it's uh, yeah. it's nice to see a guy that genuinely cares and isn't just like shooting off the uh, off the cuff, uh, you know, saying you know really uh, cliche things. Well, and you know, uh, talking about Hawk Harrelson. I, I get a lot of him, and granted, I don't like them, but the Cardinals, Mike Shannon, on the, the Cardinals radio. Oh, I um, hear that, yeah, that there's a lot of, even Cardinals fans that don't like him. Right? Yeah, yeah, so, uh, you know, I'm not... I'm not familiar. I had to listen to uh, one of the jobs I previously held. The boss was a big Cardinal fan, and so we would have to sometimes listen to the Cardinals games on the radio. And so, I don't know, he just too much... Everything that Hawk is too much of a homer, too much uh, just saying whatever. You know what I mean? A lot, I I don't know. Just nothing. If you don't have anything interesting to say, don't say anything. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, and you're and right. I, I mean, the idea of having silence, I think, is okay. Oh yeah. Uh, and during a broadcast, I you know Hawk Harrelson though, when he's silent, you can tell he's pouting, and that's yeah. kind of annoying. Oh, yeah. Well, Ron, Ron Santo, unfortunately, was kind of the same way. God bless him. <laughs> would he? Would he? he, would he oh get yeah, he for lived and died with the Cubs, yeah, man. If the right. Cubs were doing, there's the one call where it was. Uh, I think it was, the player was Brant Brown. And he drops the ball, and like you can go on YouTube, I'm sure, and still hear it. And Ron Santos like just flipping out at the top of his lungs, like he dropped the ball, <laughs> just like, like. Like your grandpa would be, you know, just yelling at the TV. And so, one of the one of my favorite Ron Santo memories is uh, 
I forget where they're playing, but it was one of the booths where they would have the heaters over their heads, like those, like, you know, where it's kind of just like a salamander on the ceiling. It just puts oh, like right, a yeah. radiator heat. Yeah. And uh, they, like, were like, what is that smell? What is that smell? And Rod Santo's toupee caught on fire. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, that's one of my favorite Rod Santo memories. Uh I yeah, will say, yeah. though, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people who didn't like Ron Santo. You know, he's like, he, right, you know, right. He, he's a classic, you know, really Homer color guy who is yeah. really passionate. And oh, yeah. you can't fault him for that. And, and I was saying, uh, Gabe, that I thought Mike Shannon kind of was like that, too. He reminded me a little bit of Hawk Harrelson for the Cardinals, Mike Shannon. Right. And so, uh, yeah. yeah, those would be my guys. Yeah, yeah, I, I think um, uh, you know. I think we we covered quite a bit there with the uh, booth guys. Do, do we want to talk about the studio guys? Um, sure. Yeah, um, I like Harold Reynolds. I do too. Just for the fact, I know a lot of people don't, but no, it's like the man. How old is he? He's got to be forty, right? Oh, he's oh, 50. older than that. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. Harold Reynolds is fifty, and it's like. He's still a, a small child, and the magical wonders of, of the butterfly oh, yeah. known as baseball. He's still like, wow, man. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, he's always he's ready to go out and demo that stuff on the yeah. other little oh, yeah. dive in there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's enthusiastic, you know, and, yeah. and, and don't get me wrong. He says some stuff that's totally ignorant, and like, oh, doesn't, like, like some of it 60, just doesn't make any sense. 60% of the stuff he he suggests <laughs> is, like, totally wrong. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's way off on... Did you guys see that thing where, uh, that bit where... The host, uh, I think it's Greg Amsinger. Who's awesome. Uh, I think Greg Amsinger is great. I like him too, yeah. Um, he was, like, Harold Reynolds was going off. He's like, what type of guy leads the league in errors and gets a gold glove? And then Greg Amsinger reminded him that Harold Reynolds won a gold glove and led the league in errors. <laughs> twice. He did it twice. twice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, HR will do that one moment, and then the very next moment they'll cut to an in game. And he'll be like, uh, this guy's going to uh, hit a home run to left center field. And sure enough, the next pitch, he hits a home run to left center field. Right, right. <laughs> and so, you know, he, he can be back and forth like that. It's it's entertaining, to say the least. I, I still like him, though. You know, I can't bring myself not to like him just because of yeah, the enthusiasm. Yeah. You know, know. He, he's childlike. Yep. Levi's, Levi put it well there in, in that regard. Um, so... I can't bring myself not to like him. I find him comforting for for some reason. Um, and and I think uh, you know his his role in that team is, is a big part of it. You know, if he's paired with, so if you have Am Singer and then him and like Billy Ripken or Billy John Ripken's Smoltz, good. Billy Ripken. I think Billy Ripken is is probably the most solid um, uh, non-host uh, talking head that they have on there. Yeah, he's good. He's pretty measured. Um, yeah, you do still get a, you know a lot of them will will blow off the analytics. Sure. Um, and I'm, I, I, the biggest problem I have is the idea that it's always whenever the uh, announcer suggests that the, the, a particular stat is like the be all end all stat for, um, for stat heads out there yeah. and uh, for sabermetrics stat heads. And it's like, no, no, you're getting it wrong. It's just one stat in the family of stats. Yeah. And, uh, and it's always, it's always suggested. And that's what, it's the idea of a host not quite understanding and not only that, but refusing to understand moving forward. Like they aren't going to come off of the idea of trying to embrace 
a new way of thinking of well, about measuring. Well, you know what? Like, the only thing I could compare it to would be, like, if you somehow wanted to introduce sabermetrics to, like, bull riding. Yeah. You're never going to convince those cowboys. Yeah, right. 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 You know what I mean? Those yeah, guys right. are the ones doing it. Analogy. And they've been around, sure. and it's, like, their club, and yeah, it, it's, you know, that... I don't it know. robs just... the game of its magic for them. Yeah, to them. Yeah, right to them. Yeah, Absolutely. right, right. Yeah, yeah. It might show that there is no god. <laughs> 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 there is no baseball god. There is no bull riding god. It yeah. comes out. Of... And, and, and at, that's, at the it's same... disappointing when that happens. Some of those, some of that magic, though, I need in a broadcaster. Like maybe Hawk takes it too far to one end of the spectrum. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that, um, and maybe Santo as well. But it's not like I want like Nate Silver or some guy from no. Fan Graphs up no in the way. Booth. You know right. what I mean? Like yeah. that's gonna suck. Right. It just yeah. needs to be complimentary. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah. It needs to be a nice balance. And I'm not saying. You know, I always get annoyed when and a, a, a jock set. You know, if if a um, if if a reporter you know at, starts getting critical of an athlete and the athlete's like, well, you never played, and right. they play that whole card. That you yeah. know, you never played Get the game, that. yeah. And uh, and it's like, well, you know, you're going to want to be in the in in the booth after you retire, and you never went to journalism school, but you yeah, still think sure. you're entitled. And <laughs> and, so, yeah, and it, it it obviously shows sometimes. It does, it does. But no, I, I think um, yeah. yeah, there's a happy medium there between yeah. the analyst and and the and the ex athlete. Right. We, we mentioned Steve Stone earlier levi did yeah he's he's one of my favorites um mainly because I, I i feel like he he's not totally reliant on stats but he doesn't totally dismiss them either um he's old school but not too old school you know um and i just think he calls he's just really when it comes to pitching i don't think there's a better pitching analyst yeah personally yeah i think he's i just think he's the best yeah i mean granted i what do i know but um uh, yeah, I, I I haven't seen anybody else, at least in the modern era, do, do pitching analysis like him. So yeah, no, I, I, and I was telling Levi that you know dating back to my earliest memories are watching Cubs games with with Kerry and Stone doing his thing, and and uh, yeah, it was uh, I'll always consider him one of the better analysts. Stone Pony. Um, you know, I was looking through the list of broadcasters because, um, you know, obviously I, I <laughs> excuse me, I don't keep up with like who's in the Diamondbacks booth. You know what I mean? No, right. Yeah. Well, Rob Brindley is now, I guess. Um, He's back. Yeah. He yeah. left the Cubs. Yeah. I, I saw some names of some guys I didn't know were in the booth. So I'm just going to run them down really quickly. It's like just a handful of guys. Like I didn't know Mark Langston did Angels games. Oh, did really? You know that? Yeah. Oh, I know that. Well, Rex Hudler does KC as like an alternate, right? No, Rex Hudler is is color for television every game. Oh, he is. He is yeah. every he's every yeah. game now. Yeah. Okay, all right. I didn't know Jack Morris does some Tigers games. Yeah. Uh, Mark Gubaza is also with the Angels. Yeah. Uh, Tim Salmon also with the Angels. <laughs> Jose Guzman. Uh, I didn't. I forgot to look up the team. Guzman. Uh, Tam, Tom Candiotti. And then obviously the the frightening picture that I, I shared among us that I, I don't know we might lose some viewers if I posted it on our uh, Facebook page. Um, Jamie Moyer and Matt Stairs were in the Phillies booth last year. Ugh. Stairs is still there. Moyer left. Um, 
to spend more time with his family. But uh, I, I wish I would have tuned into that because I think that would have been a that would have been a fun pair. Uh, yeah. So that would have so been yes. interesting. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, for you guys, like, do you guys have like a a dream team of of guys that you would like to see paired together? Definitely. Anybody? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. You go first. I'll I'll go. Um, mine's mine's a bit creative. Um, for the batting innings, I'm sorry, no wait. For the fielding innings, I want one announcer, and that's Vin Scully. Oh, well, he's the king. Right. Right. Yeah. So, and I want him for fielding innings because. You know, you're a bit more relaxed during the fielding innings. You know, you're not as when you're at bat, you're yeah. aggressive. You're as yeah. a fan, you're kind of aggressive. The tension subsides a little bit, right? From a fan and so, ideally, you know, the pitcher's dominating, and uh, and and Scully is, you know, making the calls, but then he's uh, interspersing stories, uh, you know, uh, about people in the crowd and and just uh, fun facts about players that come up to bat, like he always does, like he's the master of. And and you talk about good silences, Levi. I think Scully's silences are 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 very good because he just lets it breathe a little bit. And in the idea that there's no color guy in there to talk, He's, he knows when to let the game talk. Yeah, yeah. Because you're watching, you don't need to hear it all, right. all the time. So, um, and then, but for the batting innings, I want. Uh, I, I've always kind of liked John Miller uh, of the Giants. He was oh, yeah. Sunday night ESPN Sunday night baseball for. I don't know a dozen years or so, uh, and I was. They've got was... a good team, Kuiper as well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but John Miller, play by play, and Oral Hershiser as the color. I, I once heard, and I don't even know if you like Oral... Hershiser, huh? I heard Hershiser doing color uh, uh, several years ago for ESPN. It may have just been during the playoffs, but his insight, like you were talking about Steve Stone, his insight for the pitchers during the game was unlike I had heard of before yeah. and I was always impressed. Uh, it, it was always uh, stuck in my memory how he was so good. And I, and as, and since then he's, he's since moved on to, he only does work for the Dodgers. He doesn't do any national work. And, um, uh, and so I, and incidentally we'd be pairing up a Dodgers guy with a giants guy, Hershiser yeah. and John Miller and, and, uh, and my team's batting innings. Cool. Yeah. Cool. cool. Uh, I would have liked to. Uh, I always liked Mel Allen from This Week in Baseball. Oh yeah, just did he like, do? Gorgeous. Did he? I, do I don't know any... if he ever did, but like, I just thought like, I hear his voice. I think baseball immediately. Oh, yeah. absolutely. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like the perfect baseball. How voice. about that? And so I, I would have thought it would be cool to maybe have him and like Harry or him and Ron together. Maybe him and Ron. Harry might have been too much for him. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I always liked Mel Allen a lot. He he did work for the Yankees. Nice. He called the he who was a color guy for the nineteen thirty eight World Series. Oh my wow. god. He got fired by the thirty eight? Yeah. <laughs> this like, week in baseball, like in the eighties. Yeah, I remember watching it in the eighties. Yeah. yeah, he was born in nineteen thirteen, so you know, he would have been uh, twenty five then. He died in ninety six wow. at the age of eighty three. To get an announcing gig like that when you're 25, it's a good gig. It's good oh gig. yeah, it is. Yeah, then he went on to the Yankees uh, for a few years. So, huh? Oh, there you go. You know, for me, it, this was tough. I mean, obviously, from you've heard me talk, it's Steve Stone and somebody else. Um, in 2008, and I, I love baseball on the radio. Um, it's kind of I'm kind of partial to it. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. 
Uh, it's just something comforting about it. Um, I in 2008, it was just for one season. The White Sox had Steve Stone and Ed Farmer. Ed Farmer's still the guy they have right now, and they've had for a while. Um, who I think calls a really good game. I know he, he annoys some people, but um, he's just he, he's odd and kind of a dry sense of humor. But he's uh, was Ed Farmer a pitcher? Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, Did he have a Diamond now. King? I doubt it. I think he probably would have retired by then. Okay. I think he retired in the early eighties. Um, okay. Maybe. I mean, I, I, I don't. That name think seems so. really familiar to me. Um. Yeah. He. Most notably with the Phillies, but he pitched with the White Sox as well. I pitched with Cleveland. Cool. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, he call, I think he calls a really good game, a uh, good play-by-play guy. Um, so that year of 2008 was really golden for me because I, I got Steve Stone on the radio. And then I also had Ed Farmer as well, a guy who I've come to really rely on. So that would – I mean, I, I don't know if that's necessarily – you know, that's – those guys aren't Vin Scully or anything like that, but um, you can't really pair Vin Scully with anybody. So, yeah, right. so yeah. Um, so yeah, at Farmer and Stone, I, I thought in 2008 was yeah. top notch. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and admittedly Scully is kind of a cliche in a way, you know, he is just kind of considered a God, but right. Uh, right. Yeah. He's, he's going to top any list. Um, he's just in a class by himself, you know? Yeah. So. I didn't realize too that they, um, according to the the spreadsheet on Wikipedia, he is broadcast as the radio host for the first three innings, like simultaneously. I saw that too. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. I yeah, I didn't realize that. And then uh, what's his name? Steiner takes over after that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Then the, who calls a good game as well? Sure. I think. Yeah. 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 yeah Steiner's like a pro's pro. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, 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 Scully, and he's coming back next year, Ben. Yeah, one yeah. God willing, one more year he's coming back. He says. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. One thing, um, I, I said I was gonna, I, I didn't get around to mentioning this earlier, but uh, um, a colleague of mine, uh, my buddy Jeremy, um, he wrote a really good piece about a year ago, just on a blog that he kind of just only posts periodically, um, about letting Hawk dictate White Sox culture. And it's a really smart piece, and I'll just read one quote from it. Um, uh, Bad calls are part of the game, but Hawk doesn't let up. His commentary regularly hints at some vast umpiring conspiracy against the White Sox (laughs) and only fuels the stepchild complex that surrounds the team. Um, And and he's a Cubs fan, but, you know, it's it's a very thoughtful piece. It's not a White Sox bashing piece. It's 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 a. he really yeah, takes I'm... it to Hawk um, articulately. Yeah, we should uh, post as... it. Yeah, we'll, I, I'm, we'll I'll, post I'll it. send the link and, and you can post it. It's, yeah, it's a really, good. really well written piece, even from a guy that's kind of got a even. I can even view it as that, as and I have a soft spot for Hawk, so that a lot of people I realize don't have. Yeah. So. All right. Well, um, let's go ahead then and move on to our recommendations. Um, hear what everybody's been listening to lately. Levi, we'll start with you. What do you got, man? Well, one of my last trips to a thrift store, I stumbled upon some Deutsch gramophone releases. And nice. for anybody who doesn't know, they have a I was waiting black... to hear Deutsch gramophone today, right. buddy. Deutsch gramophone. <laughs> and uh, they are all known for having black and yellow labels on the front, like every record they make pretty much has them and so um 
I picked up a couple. The one is uh, Herbert von Karajan from the Berlin Symphony, and uh, it's him doing Strauss's. I'm gonna butcher this, but also Sprock Zathrusta. I don't know how how it's to say. It. Basically, the song from 2001: Space Odyssey, right? right? Everybody right. knows. Yeah. And then the other one was a uh, a classical guitarist by the name of Andres Segovia, and on the front he looks like a mild mannered grandpa in a suit with kind of like Ben Stein guitar. a little bit, yeah, yeah, right. And the guy fucking shreds <laughs> though. For oh, those yeah. who the, for yeah. those who don't know, oh, uh, Segovia's great. Yeah, he's it's like, like it's like the Ingve Malmsteen of of classical, classical guitar for sure. Yeah, and so uh, I, I was so thrilled with them just because a they were cheap they're 50 cents a piece which is ridiculous can afford not to buy them it seems like classical records are always mint people who were into classical music were into being like audiophiles basically so it was like they're they're in phenomenal shape and so today i was like well I'll go back, and if there's any still there, I guess I'll buy them. Well, there were like 20 still there. So I ended up spending $10, <laughs> and I, I got a bunch more. That's and, money um, well spent, my man. Yeah. Are they 12-inch? Yeah. Actually, uh, all of them but one. One is a 10-inch. Right. I wondered if they would be 10-inch. Yeah, one of them is a 10-inch. And these are the uh, import ones. Like they all, They all say made in Germany, and pretty much all the writing on them is in German. So, uh, cool. you know, so sometimes it's hard to read, but I mean, you can always make out, it says Beethoven or Bach or Brahms right. or, you know, whoever, but, uh, yeah, they're just excellent releases. If you're just getting into classical music, right. it's a really good place to start just because they're known for being typically pretty good recordings, like quality wise and being good performances. Cause, um, that's the thing with classical music, you know, when, when you, you know, there are people who collect just certain composers, then there are people that collect just certain conductors, right? <laughs> then there, you know, there are people that collect just certain symphonies like, Oh, I just want all the, the Berlin yeah. symphony stuff or whatever. And so, uh, if you see something that just has the, the black and yellow Deutsch gramophone label, you can typically always rely on it being pretty good. Right. Good. Oh yeah. Good yeah, really good stuff, man. I uh, to to put the uh, to slap one of those on the turntable every once in a while is always just a welcome a welcome break. But that, you know? Totally. I and I the older I get, I have to do it just to like I don't know. It's like yeah to decompress. Music. Yeah, it decompresses yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You can only if you've had a really long day, you know, you can. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Motorhead and all, but uh, well, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> you don't want to fuel the fire sometimes. Yeah, right. <laughs> One of the uh, other, they had another Segovia there that I got today. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but it's nice. like in mint condition. Whoa, awesome. and it's on. That's a great um, cover. Look at album cover too. Yeah, it's on like a Decca Decca Master label. <laughs> huh. All right. I'm looking forward to jamming that later. Segovia is good. You can. Fi- I found a like a Segovia four disc box set for like. Fifteen ninety nine. Oh yeah, you I'm can, sure. Right? Yeah. He's one of those artists that you can really get quite a bit for not a lot of money. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nice, excellent. Um, I'll I'll go next, and Jonathan, you can take us home. Um, you know, maybe I'm a little late to the party with this guy. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him or not, but um, there's a British um songwriter musician by the name of Bill Fay. Yeah. 
Um, and I, like I said, I'm I'm late to the party. I I didn't uh, I didn't know I much know. about it until recently. Yeah, I just discovered him within basically like the last week. Um, he uh, put out two albums in the early '70s, and then took basically like a 40 year break, and just you know just became a regular dude. Had a uh, wife and kids and a job. Yeah, right. right? Yeah, um, and. He just got he just released um, a record this year and then he released one in 2012. So, you know, there's like a 40 year gap between his original, you know, between original work and um, the album that that turned me on to him is his second one called Time of the Last Persecution. And it's really, really good. It's uh, it's from like 71, I think, something like that, 70 or 71. And uh, it reminds me of kind of a cross between. George Harrison and maybe like really early James Taylor. Okay. It's, it's kind of got that feel to it. Um, yeah. A little bit of like all things must pass kind of it's, it's, it's really, really good. I guess Jeff Tweedy's a big fan of the guy and um, Tweedy is sort of the one who's been turning people on to him. Um, they sing that, one of his songs in do. a documentary, right? They do in uh, in uh, the document. God, what's the big Wilco documentary? I'm trying to break your heart. They, yeah. they perform it yeah. in there. Like that stage. Yeah. Yeah. I guess War on Drugs covered one of his songs last year on tour. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's uh, and it's it's great, man. Time of last pers- time of the last persecution. Oh yeah, it's. Uh, so you, I, you knew of him? Then. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've I got his record oh, here. Got um, All right, kick uh, ass. It, it's got a great sticker on the front. It says. Um, it's a quote from Uncut Magazine saying the missing link between Nick Drake, Ray Davies, and Bob Dylan, yeah. uh, which I thought was, was kind of interesting. Yeah, there is a Nick Drake. I'll have to check it out. I like. Yeah, I'm a you Nick would Drake dig guy. it. Guy. Yeah, you would. You would definitely dig this guy. He's um uh he's very kind of he's he's almost like post-apocalyptic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but like religiously so, but not annoyingly religiously so. It's he's no, very he, no, he, he, not he, like uh, you know Petra or anything. No, yeah, he, right. he's heavy. He's got a he he writes with a heavy pen. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Levi, you would you would be all about this too, Bill Fay. It's really, really good. Um so yeah, it, it I was listening I listened to it at work and it just kinda stopped me. You know what I mean? It was one of those things where I was like, Whoa, Dude, I have to, Petra was the Christian band, right? With the guy yeah. from Head East. The guy from Head East, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Petra. Beyond belief. They were huge, man. They sold a boat to a boatload of records and the they 80s. were they 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 could fill arenas. Definitely. They were like the biggest they were bigger than Striper. <laughs> they were. Bigger than Striper. A little little uh <laughs> less makeup than Striper. You right. Know? Yeah. And, and and I guess that I don't even know if Bill Fay is religious necessarily, yeah, but he uses he uses like a, a, a Christ as a character in his songs. Yeah, okay. and it, it adds a definitely. A, a well, I mean, Lennon did that a lot. Like people right. don't want to yeah. admit sure. it, but like, yeah. yeah. I mean, and yeah. I don't I don't really care if he is religious or not. He just oh, I know yeah. he writes a killer song. Cool songs, right on. <laughs> yeah. So, time of the last yeah. persecution by Bill Fay is right really yeah, really great record. Yeah. Um, so to, uh, to finish then, I'm going to recommend, uh, an album that came out earlier this year that I just keep putting on over and over again. Uh, it's by a band called Two Gallants. Uh, it's called We Are Undone. It's, it's their fourth or fifth album, uh, band from, it's a duo, uh, from San Francisco. And, uh, uh, like I said, this is a fourth or fifth album. 
Uh, it's kind of indie folk, indie blues. Uh, lots of great, great guitar sounds. Um, really unique songwriting too. It, it uh, unusual uh, turns in songs at times. Um, they, they they were involved in a dust up several years ago. You may have remember them from a news story where one of their gigs, a cop just came up on stage and uh, essentially just tackled both of them with like without telling them why. Did they have warrants out or something? No, or what? no, no. And there are two scrawny dudes in this. There's actually footage on YouTube of it. And, uh, and so it, you know, and one of them ends up running, like he doesn't know what he did. He just knows that the, the eye in this particular, the look in the eye of this particular officer was very intimidating. So he starts running and, uh, supposedly there was a helicopter like looking for him. Jesus. And one of them spent a night in jail, uh, because of it. And they were never an album about that experience. They were never charged with anything, uh, that they were never told what they did. Uh, and, uh, so it was, it, it was a big dust up, uh, several years ago. I think it was Crazy. like 06 or so. Crazy. Um, Shit, I didn't even hear about it. Wow. Yeah. But anyway, uh, no, a really good band, uh, called two gallants. And I think this, uh, this new album that, uh, we are undone is, is going to be one of my favorites of the year. Undoubtedly top 10. Cool. Good really? deal. Nice. Uh, nice eclectic mix of selections tonight, guys. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rock In Chew. That's Rock and No More, No More is my favorite Aerosmith song. All right, <laughs> I, I just I'm reaching here, but good too, uh, good too. Yeah, it is. It is. It's my favorite. Um, so yeah, you can check us out uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Rock In Chew. And then also you can find all of our previous recordings on rockchew.com as well as some of the bands um, that and baseball uh, highlights that we reference throughout the podcast. And you've been putting up photos of your starting line, your immaculate starting lineup yeah, flex I on have. Instagram, yeah, right? Getting some, Those are pretty good. The uh, Carlos Munoz, if you're out there, Houston Astros bullpen catcher has liked us twice. I saw so, that. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're out there, buddy, Carlos Munoz. Hats off. Uh, yeah, definitely. So, uh, so anyway, yeah. Um, tell all your friends, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and rockchew.com. We will see you soon. Take care, everybody. Peace. Later.